I think I was more or less thinking out loud, thinking like, oh, I've always wanted to design a camo pattern. And then <laughs> after afterwards, I was like, oh, God, what did I tell those guys? You know, like, <laughs> I hope I didn't leave them with the idea that I could actually do this, you know. <laughs> and then I remember uh, you guys like, OK, well, we need a camo pattern like, you know. Uh, how serious were you? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I was, I was real serious. <laughs> but- hey, everyone. Welcome to the DSD podcast. I'm Brad Cochran with my co-host, Dave Smith. And today we have two guests from Zenek, Jake Schneider and Jared Lyle. They are owners and co-founders uh welcome to the podcast guys thanks for thanks for joining us hi brad thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us we appreciate it good to have you guys on good to hear from you guys everybody's safe and healthy yeah i live in southern utah this this is jared here i live in southern utah and we've basically had no restrictions the whole time so it's almost like a surreal lifestyle i live down here Good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. I'm not going to weigh in on that. I'm just going to say that's where that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And we've had a few more restrictions up here in Montana, but uh, yeah, I'd say it's been an interesting uh, year to say the least. But we're we're doing well, and we're hammering through it. And Jake, you have a you have an antelope tag, right? Yeah, it's or... just a it's a it's a 900 tag in Montana. It's a it's um, it's an archery tag. You, you if you apply, you're you're going to get it. Uh, right on, but but it does allow you to hunt any any unit in Montana that has an antelope. Uh, and what do you have so, for tags, Jared? I actually got really lucky this year and drew an Idaho Shiras moose tag. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah, which is a once in a lifetime harvest. If I don't harvest, which there's always that chance, then uh, you can go back into the draw. But if you harvest, you only get one. So I'm super excited about that. And then uh, I'm actually leaving a week from Friday. My oldest son has a Nevada early season archery uh, mule deer tag. Uh, starts August 10. So got a couple of good tags to go chase around with. Oh, wow. And, and so now, um, is Idaho still open to non-resident hunters? Yeah, Idaho from a COVID point of view um, is has been pretty flexible. Um, in the spring, there were some restrictions, um, you know, in terms of tag sales and other things like that. But right now, we don't anticipate any uh, closed downs or um, uh, quarantining restrictions at this point. But who knows, right? Right. What's the what's the wolf situation like with the with the moose herd and all that? Uh, well, the area that I drew has a low harvest success. Um, part of the reason I put in for it was because of that, because the, the odds of drawing the tag are a little bit better. Sure. So I'm willing to willing to play the odds a bit. And part of the low success that you know it's southeastern Idaho on the Wyoming border, down near the Palisades Reservoir, and uh, it's definitely had an impact. Uh, Shiras moose just probably have coped uh, worse with wolf impact than any of the ungulate species yeah. in all honesty elk really took a beating early on they've kind of adapted a little bit but shiras moose just aren't built to get away they live in that kind of deep snow feeding on that willow browse and stuff in the winters and you know they're not going to run on top of the snow ever and the wolves do so yeah as a general rule the shiras moose have taken the worst beating um biologically speaking 
And then the unit that you drew, does it still have like a trophy, trophy capabilities? It's just going to be much, much difficult, much more difficult. Yeah, no, it's uh, part of the reason why the harvest success is low is it's pretty roadless. Um, it's got a lot of backcountry in it, which I went down and did a very quick camping trip at the foothills and just kind of looked up and wished I was in better shape. Uh, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So that's, that's me every day. Yeah, part of the reason they don't harvest as many, it's really rough, rugged, remote country. Um, so I've got a, a, a guy that works for me in a different business that I, I work for, uh, Hunt and Fool. He's got a pack string of horses not far from there. So I'm counting on a little support if we get one down. Yes. Awesome. That's uh, yeah. that's great. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'll probably go a few places I don't belong if I had to carry a whole moose out on my back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking we need to invent that like drone that you just like, you know, with an app on your phone and it comes in and picks up your elk or moose or whatever and hauls well, it out of there. For, first, that drops you off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope that pack string works out better than your last one you had scheduled, Jared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, he's going to bring that up. You know, that water partners for <laughs> he's going to hold this over my head for life. I, I killed a bull in Nevada two years ago and uh, I had a packer lined up. I texted him on my inReach because it was in a wilderness area. I was just about seven and a half miles back in from the trailhead when I and solo and killed this bull, boned him all out, hung him in game bags, got him in the shade, texted my guy. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make it. So uh, old Schneider got a text from me too, and he ended up hopping on a red eye flight in Missoula, flew to Vegas. Another friend of mine drove from Cedar City to Vegas, picked him up. They drove all night, met me at the trailhead, and helped me with my last load of meat out of there. So I owe Jake for life, apparently, like a kidney or something. <laughs> wow, wow! It was a lifesaver. It was. It's so remote; it's hard to describe how far this place was from any sort of habitation. So yeah, they saved my life. Well, you know, that's great to take, um, to take it that seriously to make sure that none of the meat goes to waste because I mean, I hate to say it, but there are some people that would just make sure they get the, get the horns or antlers out and then whatever meat they can. And, you know, but to go to those kind of lengths to make sure that none of the meat gets wasted. I mean, that's, that's, I assume that's what, what everyone does, but I, you know, it, it's unfortunately it just, it's not that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And talk about a committed business partner. And, uh, you know, if Dave would have called me, I would have just been like, tough shit, you know, good luck. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. If, if Brad would have called me, I would have been like, I would have like Ubered somebody over there or whatever, you know. I just knew this was a great opportunity to then have this over his head. So, yeah. uh, you know, good thing I've got I've got that little ace in the hole now. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a bunch of those 900 series um, antelope units are walk in only like, right. So uh, you might be able to get some, get some help there, but that's not. Oh, that sounds like a perfectly fair trade for me to come help him pack out a a little skinny antelope. Yes. Sign me up. I'll drive all night. Dave, you're not helping me here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just scratch that. Well, I was thinking, wait till he sees the size of the, of the antelope buck you're going to shoot. Yeah. Okay. Like, all right. And you want it out whole because you're going to do a a life-size mount. I like, I like where you're going with that. And you, you'll carry your bow and he'll carry the antelope. (laughs) I think, I think we're getting, I think we're finding some common ground. We'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. If he can just secure that, uh, that, that private ground too for the, for the hunt. Yeah, there you go. So, so 
uh, Jake, with your hunt, I assume you're going to be are you are you are you going to be hunting on on water with a ground blind? Funny you should ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely be uh, trying to shoot something out of the out of the blind for sure. Right on. Well, why don't yeah. you tell us? That's a perfect segue to tell us about everything about Zenic, how you guys met, how you got started, uh, what all the products that you make, and where you're at today. Boy, where where to start with that? Well, first, Jared and I, uh, we have known each other for a, quite a while. Um, we both grew up in Salmon, Idaho, um, so we're 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 friends from from high school. Uh, boy, I don't know how deep to get, but uh, anyway, yeah, Jared and I, uh, we we stayed in touch throughout the years, and uh, boy, Jared was down in Idaho for quite a while. Uh, I was in Denver and now in Missoula. And when was it, Jared? When did we kind of get reconnect and start hunting together? Was it 2010, 2009? Well, actually, it's going it, it would have been like 2008 or so because Sid, I remember our, Sid's first birthday was up at your house. Yep. Yep. That's right. Because that's the year you made me go into the Cabinet Mountains and try to get charged by a grizzly bear. Right. Right. That was 08. Yeah. So, um, so Jared and I got back into hunting together and, um, Jared introduced Can I, can I tell the, can I tell the first reason why you you were inspiring to tell us a bit or to start a new (laughs) business? Yeah. No, that's kind of where I was going. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. But I like telling the story better because I saw your eyes (laughs) when the tree stand moved. So (laughs) I had, I had hung a precarious tree stand in, in, in typical style, I didn't have enough steps as usual. And so I kind of overdid it a bit between stretches. And Jake's got a little tiny fear of heights that I was unaware of. And I said, I got this whitetail spot, public land, little tiny chunk between private. Well, let's go. And uh, when we climbed into the tree, the top peg and the tree stand shifted as Jake was moving up onto it. And he almost snapped the tree in half with a bear hug he put on the tree. (laughs) I saw the panic in his eyes. And when we got done, Jake said, there has to be a better way to do this than that. And then, Jake, I'll let you go on. But it was just uh, that that was the inspiration for us starting to dabble in the outdoor industry. Yeah. 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 I, I'd like to point out that I'm a little bit shorter than Jared. So his <laughs> steps into the tree were a little bit spread out a little too far for me. And then I <laughs> also just had shoulder surgery, so I couldn't lift my oh, arm that's up right. very high. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I would say my fear of heights is not a small fear. It's a quite large fear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, after that, that season, I realized, you know, we can do better than this. Trying to hang a stand, uh, balancing in a tree and trying to get it up there. Uh, so our original business idea was to create a, uh, a little bit better tree stand that you could, you could put up basically from the ground that we, uh, we started designing and we, we built several prototypes and it was something that we were, we were interested in patenting. Uh, and then, and then selling those, those rights to somebody to let them manufacture it. But then right in the middle of all of that, Jared came up with a, a great, or maybe not so great idea that, <laughs> that kind of turned us in a 180. and Jared, I can let you kind of elaborate on that a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I'd been in the in the archery business for a lot of years, working for Trophy Taker Archery Products. And um, during that process, you know, I kind of watched the the marketing side of the business go through a lot of different phases, as I'm sure you guys have too, including you know the the growth of network television and influencers and all that kind of thing. And I got the harebrained scheme that we could build a company around an affiliate based marketing model. Um, <clears throat> Ran up by Jake, uh, just like he showed the poor judgment climbing in the tree stand with me. He showed the poor judgment of jumping on board <laughs> in the business model. And, uh, you know, from there, we started kind of fleshing out what category we should be in. And uh, honestly, it was Jake's idea to jump into ground blinds for several reasons. I mean, one, like he said, his daughter was just getting to that age where she was starting to spend some time in the woods with us. My two sons were both at that age, too, where you don't really want to put them in a tree and put them at risk. A ground blind's a great environment for that. And the few times that we did sit in ground blinds, you know, it was frustrating in terms of what you could or couldn't see. There was just different setup configurations with the windows that we didn't like. And Jake said, why not ground blinds? Uh, we think that the quality's kind of been beaten out of the product. Uh, we don't think that there's been any real innovation since, you know, credit to the double bull guys. Uh, there hasn't been much real innovation since, and we think we can do something there. And so that was Jake's idea. Right on. Yeah, I can yeah. I can relate to the fear of heights, Jake. I I um, you know I'm kind of in the same situation. I I I mean I'm I'm afraid of heights, but I still I still tree sand hunt. I've I've tree sand hunted quite a, quite a bit. But you know, the same thing. I have friends that have property in Wisconsin and Buffalo County, and I've gone there several several seasons in a row and, you know, go go sit in their tree stands and, you know, the 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 pegs are like three feet apart and the, the trees like, you know, the wind's blowing and everything. And then they're like these little these little like lone wolf, you know, everything's really minim, minimalistic, you know, and most of them stand the whole time. And if there's an animal below me, I, I kind of lose my fear and 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 all that stuff. But yep, yep. boy, most most of the time I just like. I just, you know, I'm not even enjoying myself because I'm kind of, you know, I'm just worrying that I'm just going to fall out. You know, and you're you're strapped in there. It's like you can't, you know, you'd be you'd be better off to just, you know, just lean forward and let the, you know, let let the, let it catch you. Yeah. Um, yep. But just it's just I don't know. It's just that self preservation instinct to to you know try to keep yourself from going off the edge. And uh, it gets a little old. And I've, I have, I mean, even last year, I missed a, a really nice big blacktail buck out of a tree stand, and I'm just sure that I wouldn't have missed it out of a ground blind because, you know, the target's a little bigger in a ground blind, and you're just so, I'm just, I mean, I don't know how everyone feels. I love the visibility of a tree stand, but man, in a ground blind, you can move and turn your head, and um, you're, it's warm, and uh, if you know, you've got a a bigger target and it's just so enjoyable. Yeah. It's definitely a different perspective from the, the tree or in a, in a blind. Um, I think there's pros and cons to cons to both for sure. But I agree. I like the being on the ground and, uh, I don't know, just, it's, it's, it's like you're in the game instead of above the game and, and seeing those animals so close at, and it seems like you can just hear them and see them so much better. And, uh, like you said, you can, you can move around and, <laughs> and not be scared for your life. <laughs> well, I like to be, I like to stay out of the weather too. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of a pansy when it comes to rain and snow and wind. 
Well, yeah, and you get plenty of rain that direction, I'm sure, huh, Brad? Yes, we do. So I'm curious about the uh, this, this fennec fox. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. Okay, what's the deal with the fennec fox? <laughs> well, you know how hard it is to name a company. I mean, we don't have as cool a names to be, you know, DSD. So J and J Enterprises wasn't going to cut it for us, and so we're like, you know, we were racking our brains. We wanted something that would, you know, would SEO wise would pop up to the top fairly quickly and everything else. And anyway, we found this little highly adaptable uh, African fox that we thought was kind of a a badass little animal that. Uh, and we wanted to be nimble and quick as a company. We didn't want to, you know, we wanted to sort of take on, uh, I guess, a, a mascot that we wanted to be at least somewhat like in terms of our business a- aspirations. So anyway, Jake, I think, was the one who found the Fennec Fox as well. And we kind of went down that path. We even filed a trademark for that name and everything. And then there was a golf company called Fennec Golf that uh, had the apparel class. And so we'd never be able to do like a baseball cap or a t-shirt. And we tried to negotiate and beat our heads against the wall. And that finally went away. And, uh, that little Fox happens to live in the Zarek habitat that starts with an X. And so we kind of combined the two, changed the spelling, broke all the rules and became Zenic. I see. Oh, it's got a, <laughs> yeah. it's got a cool ring. I, I like it. I like it. And I love your logo too. Yeah. We're really happy with that. Plus, Honey Badger was already taken, so. (laughs) That was a a close second, though. Yeah, a close second. (laughs) Okay, so then how did you you make the first, like, prototype of a blind, and and how much has it evolved from then until now? Go ahead, Jake. I'm I'm trying to think of our first prototype. I, I... We've had so many, but I would say the first prototype was probably made out of fabric that was, it was blue with white polka dots that we, Mm. that we got from Joanne fabric. That's an interesting choice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think what actually our first prototype was, um, we, we grabbed a blind from, uh, we, we bought a blind but we basically had, uh, you know, an idea for a better window system. So we skeletonized it and pretty much cut out most of the, the fabric and, and just had the frame and a little bit of fabric remaining. And, and from there we started, well, we had lots of, lots of long nights, uh, meeting in, in strange places. Cause at that time, Jared, Jared was living in Plains, Montana, and I'm in Missoula. So we were about an hour apart and, uh, you know, so we would, we'd work at his place or my place and, uh, or we'd meet in the middle to go over stuff. We'd meet in some weird parking lot in the <laughs> small dive bar <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> working till like two in the morning. Um, but the, the first prototype, do you remember what that one looked like, Jared? Yeah, actually, if you go back one step further, we actually initially we thought that we wanted to build an ultralight, compact, packable blind. Oh, that's, and that's right. Yeah. And so we started down that path. We built some prototypes that had like rod and feral options where you could kind of take it down and make it half as long as a normal blind and whatever. And then we decided, you know what, maybe we better ask some experts because we know that we don't spend as much time in a blind as a lot of other people did. So we actually sent a big survey out to 
a lot of my industry contacts, outfitters and, you know, uh, everything from TV show personalities to outfitters and hardcore hunters. And we got hundreds of responses back. And unequivocally, the two things that people were unhappy about was durability and window systems. Like there was, it was a landslide that that's where it was. So we scrapped everything we'd been doing for lightweight and said, okay, well now we're probably going to build the heaviest pop-up blind on the market (laughs) because we're going to build one that won't fail. And so that's when, you know, we kind of took on the window challenge. We knew already we had to use kind of the heaviest fabrics and extra reinforcing around the weak points. That was a given. And there were a couple blinds in fairness that were already kind of doing some of those things. But to Jake's point, that's when we started really tearing into the window solution. And and we were, I mean, there's so many times we looked at each other and just said, we're idiots. This is terrible. Like, what are we even doing here? So, uh but in the process, at one point in time, we finally got the idea, you know, those old kind of camouflage face masks that kind of hold to your face. We're like, what if we skeletonized it and created, you know, a four-way stretch material that you could kind of customize your window shape without Velcro and zippers and all that kind of stuff. And that's when we really had our first, I think, advancement in in our design as what it is today. Right on. Yeah, that's, uh, and it is super cool, that four-way stretch material and and you can, I mean, it's, it, it's amazing the the options, um, and how many different configurations you can do. And that and is really helpful. And it's super quiet. I, I love that. Yeah. You know, because I, I use it as a door a lot yeah. of times and yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really paranoid about, uh, you know, about, about making too much sound and, um, yeah, I can, I can sneak right in through the front there and, uh, you know, be, be totally, totally quiet and um yeah and, and i'm i'm all about minimizing the amount of light that comes through that that front window and i mean i can draw that that window down to like a two inch sliver mm-hmm. and um and it makes a big difference you know more and more people are starting to hunt out of out of ground blinds and i have seen um you know, i'm a big turkey hunter and i've seen a lot of birds that shy away from a big open window and yep. and I know that because they'll circle from around the backside of the blind at, you know, 20 yards and then they get to the front and all of a sudden they spook and they're gone. You know, they see that, they see that big window and, um, and I've seen a big difference, you know, being able to, to narrow you know, that, I, that window I think down. that's, I think that's like innate in, in every, every mammal, like, uh, even, if you're if you're walking through the desert or through a rocky area and stuff like that, and there's a there's a cave where it's just black, I mean, you just mm-hmm. sort of naturally think like, hey, there's a cougar in there and he's about to come and pounce on me, you know? Yeah. And and sometimes it's it actually does happen. Sometimes it's real. <laughs> but I kind of think that ungulates uh, and and birds and you know are are the same way. It's just you know there's a there's a black hole. But at the same time. You know, I've had situations where I put my blind out and we'll leave it out for a month. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like they get used to it once they realize that there isn't, you know, there isn't going to be a zombie that's going to come flying out of that black hole. They kind of get <laughs> get OK with it, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think you guys are, you know, touching on the exact issue. When you sit in a ground blind, your intention is to be able to to, to shoot something. And so you have to have the right shape and size and location of a window to get that done. And the terrain changes that the animal changes that, you know, a turkey versus a white tailed deer or black tail is huge difference in terms of how low the window has to go to clear it, even with any weapon, but especially a bow. 
So I think that was Jake's and my biggest frustration. Every time we sat in one, we're like, man, there's no windows in the right place. Or if you finally get it to the right place, you're so exposed. We want to build something that, you know, you can build a window where you want it in the shape you want it. Yeah, because every setup seemed to be seemed to be different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's you're able to um, maintain that that window shape. You can move it up and down, and and that's really important too. I you know a lot of times I'll be hunting on a hillside or something, and and um, you know I want to I want to shift it up or down. Um, yep. And and so that's really that's a really great feature. Yeah. Or if you set up in the in the dark. If you don't have a, the opportunity to set up beforehand, you, you think you've got it all set up right, and then it gets light, and you realize you're not even in the ballpark with your window system, and have to you know make an adjustment. So you know to have the ability to do that quietly uh, was a uh, pretty important for us. So for sure. so now how how um, how large is the company, and um, what's what's your success like, and where, where are you at with the product right now to, you know, to this day? Jake, you want to take that one? <laughs> I always feel like, so Jake and I have a great partnership, you know, he does all the hard work and I do all the talking. That's a, <laughs> that's how it normally works out. But uh, I'll talk a little bit about where the company is today and then uh, you can kind of jump in too, Jake. Sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, when we got started, we did try that grassroots kind of affiliate based marketing plan. And quite frankly, it just didn't work. Um, we had a handful of really hard working affiliates that that we just are extremely grateful for um and always will be and then we had you know most everybody else wanted free or discounted product um so we you know of course lost money the first year you're looking around you're going how did we give away most of our inventory and get nothing in return and uh you know so that was that was rough for we shipped our first blind in march of 2016 and for the first few years you know, we really struggled along. It basically took all of our time and all of our money. I mean, that's kind of how a business starts if you bootstrap it. And then finally, we were able to, you know, land better sourcing, better factories. Jake and I actually traveled to, you know, to one of our factories and spent time and we got better pricing with the same quality. And we were able to create a, an actual dealer model here in, in this year. And, you know, that's a model that I was very familiar with, comfortable with and appreciated. Uh, but we just didn't have enough margin in the product before. We would have had to been like a $600 blind. And uh, so this year, honestly, is a huge relief. The dealers received it very well. Uh, customers uh, were getting repeat orders. And Zenex finally going to start taking care of itself for a change, which is a, a giant welcome relief, you know. Well, oh, that's, that's awesome. Per perfect time to tell us about your the, uh, the, third, the third partner. Jake Schlangen. He's uh, yeah, he's not here, so we can we can say whatever we want to say about him, I guess, huh, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. But be uh, brutally honest, please. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, yeah. So Jake came on board. Jake number two. Um, Sid Sid gave him a new nickname, by the way, Jared. It's OJ. He's the other Jake. Oh, so OJ. I like it. <laughs> well, Jared's known Jake for quite some time on a. As a friend and uh, and uh, in the outdoor industry as well, um, so Jake owns a chain of archery stores in Minnesota, archery country. Um, super hardworking guy, um, 
and he also just well, when did he when did he purchase 365, Jared? That's been quite a few years now. He's got a archery brand, 365 Archery. Yeah, so so he uh, 365 Archery, they manufacture uh, targets, stabilizers, and, and so forth. And uh, yeah, we were looking for looking for another guy. Um, we we we're we're right before we were going into uh, right before we transitioned into retail. And we, we needed more money <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that was one thing we were looking for, but, um, Jake brought a lot of things to the table. Um, his just being in the, um, in the retail side on the retail side of things, his perspective and, and his, um, his instincts on that it, it couldn't be happier with, with bringing Jake on board. Uh, another thing that he's provided for us is warehousing where we were before this year. Um, all of the blinds were, were sitting in our garages and we were shipping those, you know, we were running to UPS every day and, and shipping blinds. And since we brought Jake on board, he's, he's taking care of all of the, uh, he's been processing all the orders and, and fulfilling all those orders for us out of his warehouse. And, uh, just been a, been a great uh, third partner to bounce things off of. Um, well, I couldn't say enough about him. He's just been, uh, I've had zero regrets bringing him on board uh, to this point. It's been uh, just been a good. Other than having to share the profit with a third person. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're not making a profit, yeah. it's not too bad. Oh, we know what that's <laughs> like. <laughs> just, yeah. hey, just a um, word of advice. Don't ever piss him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to interject just a minute because both Jake's deserve a little pat on the back, in my opinion. You know, I, I've hunted in, you know, I'm kind of over the top probably in most things that I do. And um, I I love having partners that you've had heavy packs on at 3, 4 a.m. with rain, snow, sleet, whatever it is, and they're still smiling. And I can say that about both the Jake's I've had in. We've, we've killed elk in the middle of the night, bears, you name it. And we're, they're both smiling and working hard, you know, even when everything seems to be going wrong and you're working your guts out in the middle of the night, fighting brush. And um, that was one thing that I knew about Jake Schneider when we started our partnership. And then I also knew it about Jake Schlangen when we approached him because I had been on multiple hunts with him where, you know, again, we were out at till three, four o'clock in the morning on a 20 mile day. Um, that just most people, A, wouldn't even do it, but B, certainly wouldn't be smiling and laughing and having a good time. And they're both like that. So do I you appreciate think that. that could be a, a, a sign of like insanity though. hundred percent. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's that you, you talk, you talk about that. Like that's a good thing, but it could be actually <laughs> insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not uh, wrong. Yeah, uh, I guess that's no, the that's, thing. You want partners that are just as insane as you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, you probably you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't want to partner up with me on one, on one of those situations. If you saw me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you saw me. I've been in those situations. I've been I've been trying to pack out an elk and leading leading a group of people out of the woods in the middle of the night where I don't have a GPS and I've got to get us completely and totally lost. 
Um, and uh, those people wouldn't want to partner up with me now. That's funny. Maybe it's because <laughs> I got them all lost. Well, you, you know that one. Scott Johnson was on that one, Brad. Oh, and yeah, I guess, I've heard. I guess oh, I know. I've heard He's about still it. friends with me, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that is a good, that's a good attribute in people for sure. Yeah. And so now um, the, the warehouse, is it in Minnesota? It is, yep. Oh, yeah, what an awesome location. Yeah, and you yeah. know most of our most of our sales are in the Midwest, so it, it just makes sense to you know uh, to ship from there. It just keeps our our costs down on the shipping. So, uh, and, well, and we don't have to do it. <laughs> well, and and customers, um, you know, nowadays thanks to you know big companies like Amazon, they expect everything like you know two days or less. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we run into that problem all the time out here in Oregon. I mean, even if we have something in stock, which oftentimes we don't, unfortunately, um, you know, if we get a customer in, you know, Pennsylvania that places an order with us, it takes five business days typically, you know, for for that product to arrive to them. And um, we've often talked about how nice it would be to have a warehouse, you know, a, a distribution point there in the Midwest somewhere. And I think Minnesota is pretty pretty prime location yep right in the middle there sounds like we need to talk to jake schlangen about that (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a hustler so he's i'm sure he'll figure something out yeah that's pretty cool well and he's got a cool last name too schlangen yeah that was my nickname in high school but um (laughs) it's not my actual not my actual name like it's really cool that it's his actual name (laughs) so so um so do you guys have a breakdown of what what the uses are for for your blind as far as like white tails to turkeys to to elk to antelope and all that i wish we were that technologically advanced but uh we don't i mean there's a lot of anecdotal information out there in the marketplace you know that talks about it um from a sales point of view you know now that we're in the retail model um, it's actually more in the fall than we thought it would be. We thought, you know, turkey season, spring, even spring bear and those places that you can, you know, that would work for that. But yeah, it's like probably 70, 30 on a percentage of sales in the fall over spring is what is so, sort of playing out so far. Hmm. Wow. I would have guessed the opposite. Same. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it, I'd say spring was definitely our, our better months when we were direct to consumer, but now that we've transitioned right. into retail, I think we're seeing, seeing that flop a little bit. Yeah. And then in the fall, um, I mean, what's your, what's your guess on how many, how many of those people are, are hunting white tails and how many, uh, you know, every, everything else and what, what all is, uh, hunted out of them in the fall? Well, I think whitetail is clearly the, you know, the vast majority. And I think a lot of that too, you know, if I could put like a little sales pitch hat on real quick, you know, one thing about a ground blind, you touched on the weather and the the noise and the movement that it helps conceal, but it also is super good at concealing scent. And with, you know, the evolution of ozone generating machines, if you combine that with a ground blind, it's, it's a wickedly lethal combination. And I think mm. more and more, you know, highly successful uh, pro shops and individuals that, that kill a lot of big deer are using ground blinds more and more as a result of that and using those things in conjunction with each other. So I think the vast majority is whitetails. And I think 
an increasing number of the population is using them in conjunction with like an ozone machine. Um, uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, right now we're getting a lot of calls for uh, from from folks wanting to use them for for antelope. So right now it's yeah. a big push to get to get that out. And then, boy, Texas, we Texas has always been good for sales because they they shoot stuff year <laughs> year round. <laughs> yeah, dogs and everything. So, um, but I would say whitetails got to be the number one for sure. Okay. And then our, well, first of all, on the ozone, ozone unit, um, do you, do you, do you have a brand or a model and, and that you, that you recommend or use with it? And do you use it? Do you actually set it up inside the blind? I like the Scentlock Oz. Um, you know, it's a little bit newer player in that market. Um, it, and I just like, they're a little bit sleeker and there's a whole integrated system that you can use, you know, with, uh, with your clothing and everything. And then, no, you're not supposed to run them inside of your ground blind. Um, a lot of people do, but the technically, you know, you're supposed to use them outside and typically like all the hubs on our blinds, as you guys know, have pre-built in mounting locations. And then we have our little mini mount, you know, the little camera mount or adapter and that actually works really good on the outside top of the roof. You can thread in one of those and attach uh, the Scentlock Oz in seconds. And then you try to get it to where this, the ozone will spill out over the open window, right? Like you guys oh, okay. said, you want, you want the back all shut down really tight anyway. But then you want that scent, that cone of heavy ozone that comes over and traps the, the, the scent particles or the scent molecules. You want, and then traps them on the ground. You want that to come over the big, you know, the open window that you're hunting out of or windows. Uh, interesting. And uh, people aren't using those for other for for antelope much, uh, as far as the, the ozone. I mean, I know that antelope, you know, can can smell you, and they will, you know, they will run from that. But it doesn't seem like they're nearly as sensitive as like white-tailed deer. Do you agree with that? I've never I would, said yeah. for for antelope. I typically run without anything like that for antelope. And then with the, with the whitetails, are most people putting the blind out like far in advance of the season and leaving it and letting the animals get used to it or are pe people being portable and setting it up in, in, a, in a brand new spot? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the right answer there is you should set it up as far in advance as you can. Um, but the reality is, you know, a lot of times, whether it's fear of theft or damage or whatever else, or you're just hunting an area that you don't normally access, you know, you can set them up. I think the later you set them up, the more you should probably go to some effort to camouflage, particularly with whitetails, you know, brush the blind in a little bit. And that is one thing that we put heavily throughout our blinds was brush loops, roof, sides, everywhere you want. You can attach mm -hmm. brush and break up that outline of the blind. Um, one other thing we did, you know, on the newest model, the Ascent, is we made the you know, the vertical window panels. So basically it's kind of the tail of two blinds, right? We've got this four-way stretch on one side that we talked about already at length. The, the other side has tall vertical windows with silently adjustable panels that are kind of, uh, you know, interrupted with one-way vision panels that you can, that way you can kind of anticipate how, you know, when animals are coming into those narrower shooting lanes. Um, but I guess where I was going with that is, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> 
it's like well you and i have so much in common it's like that's like that's like that's like me every every single day if any if any of you guys ski that's called getting out ahead of your skis (laughs) that's what i've heard that that's what geniuses do it's just really really intelligent people do that (laughs) oh yeah thanks Uh (laughs) uh-huh okay so so is that okay so so in other words you could you could set up the blind with a with a diamond basically the diamond shape template window um or you could turn the blind around and have two um, two vertical windows with a section of one one way vision mesh in between the two yeah okay right and on. i know where i was going um okay we, <laughs> we, we made those vertical window panels reversible um, you know, there's a, of course, in any hunting scenario, there's ask 10 guys, you're going to get 10 opinions, but a lot of whitetail hunters have said that to, to your point, that black hole that you create when you open your window up. Um, so we made them reversible. So if you want those to look black all the time and get them used to sort of that black, and then when you zip them open oh. and open them, it doesn't change the look of the blind if animals have kind of gotten used to that. So those, those panels are completely reversible from camo to black if you want if you want to sort of do the the no window opened approach so in that case it could be while you're hunting if all of a sudden an animal appears um that that's shootable out of that window but that window isn't open you'd just be able to open it then it wouldn't change it would still look black and then you could shoot take the shot correct oh nice yeah and likewise, if you leave a blind, you normally want to kind of button it up if you're going to leave for a day or two or whatever. And so yeah. even just leaving it, you can zip it shut. It looks black. You come back and open it and it still looks black. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I really like the idea that you can be able to get in and out of it through the through the diamond shaped win- window because the um, the blinds that I've used in the past where you, where you can only get in through the zipper door, like, Oh, I just hate, hate that, hate that so bad, you know, early in the morning before it gets light or, or even in the, in the evening, um, you know, when you're, you're trying to get, you've got animals out in front of you and you, you need to get out of there. And it's like, Oh, you got to open that window and you're sitting there making, trying to make sounds like an owl or something, just something that you can do to, you know, scare them out of there. But, and then, you know, I've used a double bowl, one uh quite a few times that has the zipperless door um but it's still it's still a big pain to open and close that door you know it's um so yeah i I really like that that feature of just that really flexible material we can just step in and out really quickly and easily yeah yeah i think it's a big it's a trade-off um we'd love to have an easy easy access door on the backside, but we felt it was more important to be able to really black it out. Um, that, you know, so that's, that's why we have a zipper there. And, and then you've got the, the front side with that four way stretch, you can just easily step out the front side. So that's, that's what we usually do as well. And what do you guys recommend for, for camo and chairs and that kind of stuff? In like when you're hunting inside the blind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, again, I think that it's important to try to, we've normally Jake and I wind up 
squeezing our hunts in. We're both very busy, and then we have this business on top of it. And so we wind up squeezing a lot of hunts in that we, we're not as strategic as we should be. In a perfect world, you know, uh, the blacked out face and black gear and everything else inside the blind, I think, is a really good idea. Um, we rarely do that, not because we don't believe in it, but again, we're usually like, hey, can you meet for a turkey hunt in 10 minutes or whatever? So, yeah. uh, but, but I think that's a, a, an appropriate way to do it. You know, recently there's been some arguments that maybe the inside back wall should be camo and you should match that camo. Again, if you ask any 10 people, uh, they're all experts in their own minds, but I would argue that the darker you are and the darker the environment is, is the better off you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, I agree with that. I've just seen situations too where people like insist on wearing, you know, all all black, and then they have um, a large opening uh, on their face for their, you know, for their eyes. And I mean, I I swear that almost accentuates any movement yep. that that yeah. they have because now now you've isolated one the whole the only light colored area. I mean, unless. Unless someone's wearing, you know, complete, you know, face face paint or something like that, which is great, but it's, it's the same thing. Like when we're do, going on a short, a short hunt, and you're just trying to get out there, it's like, oh, and and you know, you're going on, you you know, gonna have a date with your wife, you know, that later that night. It's like it's just not that convenient to put on face paint, you know. I would say on the for the you know the what you want to wear on the inside i think that's less important and what's more important is staying to the the back half of the blind you know and if you stay back there you're going to stay dark as soon as you start to creep out there toward that open window uh you're going to be seen pretty easily yeah and that i mean that kind of includes your broad your broadhead and stuff too and your left hand like i'm right-handed so i always have a glove on my left hand you know because your left hand is the closest thing to that window Right. Seems like it really depends on what time of the day it is and and For whether sure. it's sunny out or overcast. I mean, you look into a blind midday on a on a sunny day and you can just about, you know, get away with doing jumping jacks in there and not being seen. You know, the <laughs> yeah, shadow yeah. is just so intense. Right, right. But are you just throwing that in my face cuz I can't do a jumping jacks anymore, Brad? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it though. No, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, the the sunnier it is, the black the blacker it is inside there. Well, I think the other thing too is you know we do include a couple of shoot through screens with every one of our blinds, and you know you get a lot of strong opinions about that as well. Some guys say you absolutely have to have them, and other guys throw them away the second they open them. But I've had personal experience in you know pretty bright environments with white you know really wired up white tailed deer feet from a blind when I've had the screens up, um, you know, where they're like, they, they just know something's wrong in there, but they can't help themselves because they can't see in that black hole. And I do think I am a believer. I've shot several animals through a shoot through screen. And I do think in the right conditions, uh, it's never a bad idea because it does sort of eliminate that cougar in the cave effect as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, with my own hunting, I, I, for for a long time i i did my antelope hunts with shoot through netting and i just i just felt like i just had to do it and i i just i wouldn't i would be deathly afraid to even try it without and then then i like i talked you know talked to more and more people that were that were still killing antelope with you know just through through a black hole so i finally tried it and i you know and it and it worked and stuff but i i am so much more comfortable 
like I get, I get buck fever, you know, all the time I get really bad. Uh, so besides, <laughs> besides, you know, being afraid of heights, um, you know, I get buck fever and that's just, you know, I could go into a long list of things that make me like a, the world's worst big game hunter, but I get buck <laughs> fever and I'll tell you what, um, when everything's going really, really smoothly and the animal is really relaxed, then I'm really relaxed. But the animal, yep. if the animal is nervous, I get really nervous and shoot through netting. Boy, that sure takes um, some of that out of the equation. The animal is really, really relaxed, you know. I think it makes a really big difference, particularly in those bright environments when the sun's kind of inevitably at some point in time, the sun's probably going to try to sh- shine right in. Like I sit I try to sit all day on antelope sits because you just never know when they're going to come in. And at some point in time, you're probably going to be feel really, really exposed and bright in there. And that screen really helps me relax too at that yeah. point. <clears throat> so do you guys, speaking of that, do you have a recommendation as far as like having the sun at your back or, you know, anything like that? Or do you just care more, more about the wind and all that stuff like on an antelope setup? For me, I, it would be more about the, you know, where you want to set up where you're in a good position, where you expect them to come from, and then and then scent, and then maybe uh, maybe the sun, you know, having that in your in your back. But uh, but I, I haven't really thought considered that when when setting up. It's been more about where I anticipate the the, the antelope coming from. Yeah. Do you guys yeah, ever, um, what, what, how big are the water holes that you guys hunt? Are they, are they dugouts with, with a berm or two, or are they like springs or what are you guys hunting? A little bit of everything. You, yeah. I was going to say you've killed more antelope than I have. So yeah, the, um, one, you know, one in particular that I've hunted quite a bit is, uh, is a dugout. Um, it's a, it's not, you know, by the, by August it's, it's, drawn down quite a bit so it's at the i think at the farthest point it might be 45 yards across to the the far corner um but then i've done a real small spring where (laughs) there's there's one tree where you kind of set up underneath it and i'll have to send you guys a picture of this but the the blind is literally two yards from the water hole and the water hole is about 12 feet in diameter so, so, that's my, so that's my kind of setup yeah it is up close <laughs> and personal and uh i know we've got a, a friend who's killed uh, a couple antelope out of there um wife sat there a lot and about died from oh man dehydration <laughs> but uh but I, I i didn't ever get any any bucks to come in that close um to that one but uh but but the, at other times we we've hunted uh, some springs on a little little open open water that's say you know on 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 wet years it's it's pretty impossible to hunt it because you've got open water for you know several hundred yards but on a on a drier year you know it's limited to running water you know in a 30 40 50 yard stretch or something like that so yeah um, yeah we are we We'll hunt kind of whatever. Opportunists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Have you ever um, fenced off a corner or, or put a second blind or put, or put obstructions in it, like in a corner, if you find a beach that they're coming into, but it's not, not the right one. Like uh, we've even talked about making a, like a drinking 
badger decoy um, just to put just to put you know on the uh, wherever you don't want the antelope. Um, have, you, have you guys ever got creative like that with the setups? Yeah, I have three coyote decoys that I'll use at competing water holes um, just to kind of encourage them to steer away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I've also I've also done the the dual Double. blind setup yeah. as well. Yeah, we've definitely done that. Yeah, yeah, boy. Two years ago, I drew the um, the Sheldon Refuge in Nevada, um, and that is uh, there's only one non-resident tag, so I was really lucky to draw that, and I've really felt lucky because I I also got to hunt Heart Mountain, which is the the this, the sister refuge to it in Oregon, um, but in in the Sheldon Refuge in Nevada. Um, the, the hole that I hunted, it, it was about like what you guys, what you just described, Jake, it was, it was about 20 feet in diameter and it was just a spring. And then about 30, 30 or 35 yards away was some, um, sagebrush that was like six feet tall. So, you know, my blind would just, would just hide in there really good. And it's, I'd, I'd like to be closer. Um, but it, it was still, it was fine. And my, I ended up killing a buck, um, that, and it was about a 30, 33 yard shot or something like that. Um, nice. and, but a fun, you know, closer is funner, <laughs> closer is still better, but, yeah. um, but that was a pretty sweet setup. I just, I wish I could just draw that tag again, but, um, it, it's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Those, those tags are few and far to come by in Oregon for, for pronghorn. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Luckily there's Wyoming, Still lots of opportunities. Yeah, for my, for archery people, you know, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming are all great options that you can pretty much hunt every single year with a bow if you want to go hunt pronghorn. So no yeah, excuse not to go. And are you guys both into turkey hunting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I love spring hunting because by the time spring hunting rolls around, I've got such bad cabin fever and I'm so tired of winter and everything else. So spring bear... Uh, and spring turkey are two of my favorite hunts, honestly. Um, and I, you know, it's a lot easier to carry turkey out seven miles, not that I ever have, than an elk. So, but they still <laughs> they still gobble at you and make noise, and you know, it's fun to hunt an animal that you can, you know, that you can hear and kind of gives you a little bit of a head start on where they're at. So, uh, we love hunting turkeys, and honestly, probably Jake and I do more turkey hunting together now than almost any other species because the the falls are tough. Yeah, although now that you've moved uh, from plains down to cedar, uh, most of our turkey hunting was up in that plains area. We kind of had things dialed in. So since Jared's left, I, I haven't been able to really get the turkey hunting dialed in around Missoula like I'd like. So I've been spending a little more time chasing bears or uh, sitting on bait in Idaho for bears here these last couple of years. And do you hunt? Do you hunt out of the the ground blind for for bears over bait? Yes. Right um, on. Yep. Yep. We. Uh, what was that? Was that a couple years ago? Um, Jared is when Isaiah was was doing all the the baiting there. They shot how many bears did they shoot out of our blind? Yeah, we shot. I think we shot five five good bears out of out of the ground blind that year. Wow. Uh, that was yeah. It could be super fun on the ground with the bears too, like that. How bad? And I did not shoot Again. a bear that year. I shot at a bear. 
But yeah, she, I was going to say, I'm going to say again, that's one thing that's an interesting study. Again, I sound like I work for an ozone company, not a ground blank company, but you know, we ran ozone machines on all those hunts and I had baited bears for years, you know, using every scent control method I could possibly come up with, uh, you know, um, from head to toe and taking all the precautions. I could never bait in a mature bear. Honestly, it's one of those things that's very misunderstood where, you know, people think that it's, that it's easy or shooting fish in a barrel. And I've never worked harder in my life with poorer results than when I tried to run bear baits for all those years. But once we moved to a ground blind with a, with an ozone machine, um, the, the bears that we did kill were big, mature bears too. Wow. In wow. heavily, heavily hunted areas. That's interesting. That's good to know. Hmm. Yeah. I might have to get on that program for, yeah, for I think Black it's, I think it's worth the, worth it hands down to me. Huh? That's cool. You know, our, our Columbia blacktails, like every, if you ask anybody here, they'll just tell you like, they are the, the wildest, the wiliest deer in the, in the world. And that's just so smart and so difficult and everything like that. But most of these people have never hunted whitetails and, you know, our blacktails are incredibly forgiving when it comes to human encroachment and human scent compared to whitetails. I mean, that's mm-hmm. been my experience. And I, I mean, I love blacktails for sure. And they're, what's diff- they're, they're, they're far more difficult, but what's difficult about them is there's so few of them and they will not come out during the daytime. And that just makes it really, really difficult. But, but you can you can get away with murder compared to what you can get away with with whitetails. But nonetheless, um, it just when you do get an opportunity, when one does step out in the daylight, boy, you just do not want it ruined by by you know getting getting scented, you know. So I think I'm going to get on that uh, ozone program. Yeah. No, I, I think. I, I don't think anybody will regret it, honestly. I think that's kind of that next level of evolution in the, you know, the bow hunting uh, arsenal, quite frankly. And I, and honestly, that's pretty much all I do is bow hunt. So it's always a close game and wind is always my number one enemy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Really quick, Jared, can you tell us a little bit about, about the hunting fool and what it, what it is and who's involved and all that? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, Hunting Fools, it's a program I've believed in a long time. I've been a member for almost 20 years, long before I came over here about four years ago. But yeah, we basically just help people go on more hunts with better information. I mean, that's really our mission statement. So that can be uh, mean a lot of different things, but we really cover in depth states that kind of have you know complicated draw or tag access opportunities. So we cover 20 different states uh, ranging from, you know, Maine moose over on the East coast and Kentucky elk all the way, of course, all the Western States from uh, Alaska down through California. So, um, yeah, essentially we're a membership based business. Uh, we have a very prolific publication. We publish about 1500 pages of content a year in a monthly magazine. That's all about helping people plan and execute hunts. And, uh, your membership also includes consultation access to our hunt advisors. So you can call in, email, uh, et cetera, and, and get help on planning hunt. We get questions like, hey, I want to go on my first archery elk hunt. Can you help me pick a state and a, and a unit or a zone? Right on. Well, that's a valuable, that's a valuable resource. 
yeah. I need that for uh, I need that for Wyoming Antelope because that that whole state has just changed so much. Like the, all the units that used that were just fantastic ten years ago are not that great right now, and uh, I'm kind of a little bit in the dark, you know. Yeah, as we write, you know, state sections again. We our magazine follows these draw periods, right? So right before you would need to apply for this species in this state, you'll get a whole section on it in our magazine. And we rely on both the wildlife biologists for our data, but probably more importantly, we have a huge out network of outfitters that we call and contact personally and ask about you know changing conditions in the unit, trophy potential, population trends. Uh, po- uh, predator management issues, all that kind of stuff. So we we use all that stuff to create this, these data sets that we keep updated every single year on you know where you should be looking and where you shouldn't be looking. Demographics are they've always really fascinated me. You know, just when you really start to think you know your 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 market, um, when you look at the analytics, um, it's it's pretty surprising sometimes how how things break down. Like like with your seventy thirty fall versus spring sales example you know i never would have guessed that for for a ground blind yeah same here same and a lot of that's you know at this point again is sort of uh i guess educated guesses based on some of the larger retailers and retail chains like we're not in any big box stores like traditional box stores but we are in shields and you know some of that data is just acquired from the buyers in these you know various uh entities so we'll know more hopefully within the next couple of years if that really bears out to be true but it seems to be so far based on feedback from them yeah right. they're they're super knowledgeable they're a great company to work with too we've we've been with shields for probably a dozen years okay yeah yeah no they're, they they run their their program very very uniquely and and very interestingly and and i love it too they're great to work with yep yeah, and they're just good, friendly people. Uh, they pay their bills on time, and uh, that's always nice. Yes, <laughs> that, that makes them. That's that's his definition of friendly. That's what he meant by friendly. <laughs> I like that definition too. I'm down with that. Look, yeah, you're now my friend. There must be, geez, thirty, forty different different stores across the country, and they have looks like another. Oh, four or five on the books for, um, you know, the upcoming growth, the upcoming year. Yeah. Hmm. You mean building, building new stores? Yeah. Oh, that's a great sign. Yeah. We've got one scheduled here, uh, to be in Missoula next, next year, 2021. So nice. Yeah. We've got a few in, is it, uh, Nevada and Texas. I think there's a couple more springing up. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, in today's model that, you know, a lot of the retail has gone to e-tail, uh, but I, it's, you still love to walk in and feel products and see them firsthand. And, you know, I still enjoy that experience with outdoor gear, especially um, more so than buying online all the time. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to it. Is there any other details about the blind as far as um, accessories? Um, that you could tell us about, like how, how do all the accessories, or what are all the accessories and how do they, how do they work and all that? Well, accessories. Um, so I, as Jared pointed out earlier, each of our hubs, uh, we have an integrated uh, 
little coupling system there that receives our either our camera mount or um, we also have a support post there. So uh, one of our things, the, the mini mount, it's a small, compact little camera mount that we've we developed and that can be used either on the blind or if you're in a tree stand we've got a tree screw that allows you to put it in the tree or we have a little stabilizer coupler so you can actually put that camera mount on your bow as well so we try to try to come up with some accessories that are multi-functional that you can use in different situations depending on how you're hunting um, so that camera mount can carry a, a gopro uh, in the blind on any of the hubs on the inside or the outside. You can carry a, a, a camera on uh, in a tree. Uh, we can do a, a trail cam. And then with our little phone adapter, you can also, uh, you know, use your phone to record if you're going to do that in the blind or uh, on your bow or whatever. So the, the accessory line has been, you know, trying to be real, Trying to trying to provide products that can be used in a multitude of, of different situations, and then in addition to that, we've got our support post, and that is uh, it's basically a trekking pole that that a trekking pole that that can extend a little bit longer than most, so it's it's a kind of a multi-use accessory as well. Um, it screws into the top of the blind, into the top of the the ceiling there so that can be used when you're not using it if you leave it out in a, in a snowstorm it's not going to get oh, okay. uh, it's not going to fold up and, and break which uh, we get lots of calls from from customers that that break rods because they left their their ground blind out in the, in the snow um, but it's worked well because we one we have a lifetime warranty on the on the frame so we we usually ship out new new rods for, for customers, but then usually they'll, they'll pick up a, a support post too. So they don't have to go through the hassle of, of, uh, the whole warranty process and getting new rods into their blind. But, uh, in addition to the, to working as a support post, then that, that also can be used as a, as a gun rest. We've got a, a little gun rest that uh, screws on top of that and, and you can use that in the blind as well. So, oh, nice. yeah. So that's what we've got right now. Um, and then this fall, actually, probably we should have it ready in a couple of weeks, I believe, Jared, if everything goes well. Um, yep. But it's our, I'm, it's, it's going to be my favorite accessory, I think. It's a, it's just a bow hanger, so it's a, it's a small little hook that that screws into the top of the, the ground blind, and you can, and you just hook your your cam right on that that hook, and you can position it any direction. I don't know if you're like like me, but I get in a ground blind and I, I don't know how, where it comes from, but I have so much crap. It's strewn all over the, <laughs> all over the floor. And, uh, you know, you, th you get in there, you're thinking you have all this room. And then by the time you get your pack in your chairs and you sit down with you and a buddy, um, uh, and you get a bow out and you try to knock an arrow, it's like hanging up on everything. So, um, yeah. so, Oh yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I could hang up on something, I'm going to do it. So, um, I'm excited about that one. It's, it's a real small little, little hook, but, uh, well, and it's, it says a lot about the, about the frame and the struts and everything like that. If, if, so there's, there's several blinds where you can't hang a bow right, um, because right. it'll, it'll, it'll collapse, it'll collapse the roof, you know? Yep. So, 
That's really cool. Yeah, and our blind's a little bit different. We've got a strap. Um, it's the strap that runs down right down the center of the main window, and we have a, you know, the ability to adjust that. And the, the the tighter you make that strap, the the more force it puts on that that frame and pushes the walls and the the roof up. So, you know, if you're in a in a situation where you're out in western Oklahoma in the wind or in Wyoming on an antelope hunt, you can tighten that strap down and it pushes those walls out and prevents them from, from blowing in, in the wind. Boy, you know, that's a really, that's a really great feature. That's, that's something that probably is underutilized and probably more people would, would use that if they, if they knew about it. So that's good to get that out there. Yeah, no, it's one that, uh, it's, it's, it's a few blinds. It's, it's our customers have gotten the blind and it hasn't been tightened enough. And they, they call with, you know, they're complaining that, that hey, this, the, the walls just keep buckling in. I don't know what's going on. I've made all the adjustments. And then we kind of walk them through it. And then, then the light bulb goes off and they're just super stoked that, you know, it can be that, you can adjust it that much to, to really uh, stiffen up the blind. And then, but if you have too much tension on it, then the blind's hard to, hard to collapse. Um, do, you, do you actually adjust it um, after you've set the blind up and then, and then before you take it down yeah when we do our uh we do a little quality control check we we try to tension that strap to like the happy medium where it's it's easy to set up but it still provides enough um tension to to push the walls out but but in certain situations you may want to do a little more or a little less but but yeah exactly once you set it up you can tighten it up and then before you break it down it's usually easiest if you if you uh, loosen that strap up just a little it's a little mm-hmm. quieter too. Like if you're trying to be quiet on the takedown and setup, the looser that is, the less pop you're going to get out of the blind, the less friction against the hubs. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, another feature I really like is your, um, your tripod, your tripod slots. You know, you were talking about how, how crowded it gets inside right. The, right. the blind. If you're trying to film and you have a full size tripod, boy, <laughs> it's a, uh, it sucks not having a, a slot, you know, to put put your legs through. Yeah, and I, Jared, I don't remember when we came up with that, or I, I think that was you that kind of came up with that idea, but it was like the simplest improvement that we've had so many uh, people, uh, you know, pretty impressed with that and, and say, why doesn't everybody do that? <laughs> and, you know, I, I noticed um, not only does it free up more ground space, but it's actually um, it allows you to position the tripod in a, in a better place because, you know, I like to tuck up as close as I can to, you know, to the side um, and and you're able to get closer to your camera that way. Right. Yeah. It gives you a better, much better field of view too. So, yep. Yep. Two in one. And you got... Uh, Two, a brand new camo pattern and two, two, it's available in two camo patterns and, and also has a, uh, uh, a carrying case, a backpack carrying case. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. When, Go ahead, Jared. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say when Jake and I literally just tried to deal with everything that irritated us about a ground blind, including how in the heck do I get this thing into the field? 
And so, yeah, the, the, every one of our blinds comes with a, a complete backpack. Now, granted, it's not the most comfortable pack on planet Earth, but it'll get you. I've done miles with it on. Uh, it's got a bow carrier, places for chairs, everything you need for an all-day sit, padded shoulder straps, hip belt, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, so, yeah, that was one of our big pet peeves is we hate trying to strap a blind onto other packs when we want to go, you know, further than just off the side of the road. And then as for the camo pattern, I was hoping we'd get over to that because, um, you know, I think, Dave, we visited about it maybe two years ago or so at the National Wild Turkey Federation show. Yeah, um, I don't remember that. Yeah, you just kind of casually mentioned to me that, uh, you know, you had some interest in potentially designing a pattern at some point in time. And I put that in my hip pocket and, you know, Jake and I <laughs> talked about it. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden we're... <laughs> The three of us, now that we had our third partner, we're like, man, we want our own camo. And we knocked on your door and you guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. And not only did that, but so fast. Like, um, And I think that's an important piece of the pie is, is the artistry, the artist side of, of you and the way your brain works and the way you look at things. Um, you know, the color palette was super important. I remember in the process, you kept sending, you know, little chips of color our direction and Unfortunately, I'm colorblind, so it didn't mean a lot to me. But <laughs> but Schneider uh, and Schlangen were all over it, and uh, just loved the process. It was you were amazing, and honestly, I'm still amazed. I take that thing out. I was out with a drone the other day, just trying to get some product shots, and it's incredible the way that thing blends into in the like hidden in plain sight. So uh, hopefully, I'm not over endorsing. Because it, we can't take any credit for it. This came from you guys, uh, the camel <laughs> Well, if they if it came out good, I mean Scott Scott's on the line here too, and and he had a lot to do with that. So so good job, Scott. Well, and I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even know it was going on. I just thought <laughs> you guys found some bum on the side of the of the road and <laughs> and. Um, and Worked and out a deal with him. That is pretty much exactly <laughs> what happened. Well, you know, and it's, and it's kind of funny because I remember that day that that we were talking um, at the NWTF show. And after I said that, I kind of was, I think I was more or less thinking out loud, thinking like, oh, I've always wanted to design a camel pattern. And then <laughs> after afterwards, I was like, oh, God, what did I tell those guys? You know, like, <laughs> I hope I didn't leave them with the idea that I could actually do this, you know. <laughs> and then... And then you guys approach, and then it was like, I think I say a lot of things thinking that no one's ever going to actually call me on it. Uh, <laughs> I and, thought and, you were in the clear then, huh? Yeah, I did. I thought I was in the clear because enough time went by. And then I remember uh, you guys like, okay, well, we need a camo pattern. Like, you know, uh, how serious were you? And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I was, I was real serious. <laughs> but the, the, the timing was terrible, though, because, you know, we had um, – you guys were kind of in a hurry and, and I was really, really busy and I knew it was a project that I could only work on, on, you know, weekends and evenings and stuff. Cause I had plenty of, you know, uh, my job work to do and same with, same with Scott Sprecher. But, you know, I remember, uh, thinking to myself like, well, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm, the first thing I did is I just, I went to the, like the paint store and I just bought a, bought a whole bunch of paint, like, and I just started painting, you know, mm -hmm. and then I was thinking, well, maybe I, maybe I'm supposed to paint, you know, how big a paint, how big a plate do I have to paint, you know? And then mm -hmm. I remember talking to you guys and you're kind of like, um, Dave, the, the 1980s are over. Like we don't, 
<laughs> we don't, you know, stop listening to Prince and a flock of seagulls because you, you don't actually paint it on a, on a plate. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I was just seeing if you guys knew that I was just testing you, but yeah, it's just, it's just funny. The whole, the whole evolution and, you know, but we got there, you know, we got it done. And I think, I think, thanks, you know, thanks a lot to Scott and thank, thanks to you guys for, tr- for trusting me. And, um, but yeah, Scott really, really bailed, bailed me out. That's for sure. <laughs> Cause he knows about technology and that helps a lot. No, it was a, it was a great process from our end and uh, we couldn't be more happy with the, with the result. It's, uh, the, the more I see it in different, different settings, it's, it's just, blows me away how well that that blind just disappears in in different environments it's it's those big contrasting you know light and dark you know bigger patches just help that that big blob of a ground blind disappear it's right on pretty remarkable i'm excited to hear about your your animal punt and everything like that and like yeah and i was i i i kind of love the the camo pattern but it's funny because i I sort of like everything I made it for me, you know, like, um, while I'm working on it, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, screw these guys. I'm just going to make the camo pattern that I want for my own <laughs> hunting, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's just like a, when I make a fish replica or something like that, like I, uh, if I put, if I put a lot of heart and soul into it, it's just because I want the enjoyment out of it. Like even if it has, if it has to hang in their house, for the rest of their life, I'll still consider it as mine. You know, they just had to pay for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thankfully your vision was exactly in line with ours, you know I mean? That, and that was part of the process when you described what you thought was wrong with camo patterns today. You know, we couldn't have agreed more, uh, particularly on a ground blind. They're just too big to be, they get too dark too fast. If you, if yeah. you don't have a lot of lights in there. So, yeah, a lot of there's a lot of people that take a take a a camo pattern that might might be suitable for clothing um, and put it on a ground blind, and that doesn't work. But honestly, a lot of the camo patterns that are on clothing are are a little too tight and mm-hmm. a little too busy to where they just get washed washed out as soon as you get you know at at a, at a certain distance. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they look good in those uh, those photos for the for the magazine when they're like six feet away. But as yeah. soon as you back up to, you know, hundred yards out, everything starts to look pretty dark and blobbish. Yeah. 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 They get, they get like some, they get some male model, you know, <laughs> with like a, some muscular male model wearing them. It's like, wow, that camel looks really good. That's exactly what I'm going to look <laughs> like. In it. And then they, <laughs> they blur the background out and, and yeah. add a few filters over the top of it. Yeah. 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 Well, what's it, what's the availability like and um, how much do they cost and where can you get them? Well, thankfully availability is good. Um, we've got another shipment that's just landing here in the next week or so. So we should be in good shape through the fall. And uh, obviously, you know, you can go to hunt uh, and Zenic is spelled weird. It's X E N like Nancy E K. Um, or obviously the network of retailers that we have, we have a dealer locator on the website. We'd love it. If you support your local dealer, 
but again, we're a pretty, pretty new brand. Uh, I think we only have about 70 dealers nationwide. So if you need one direct, we can always ship direct too. And um, what's this I hear about a giveaway coming up in August? Oh, yeah. You guys are providing a blind, and DSD, if I'm not mistaken, is going to provide a, a deer decoy, a posturing buck. Scott, you better correct me on this if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got quiet. I know what Zinnix will. I know what Zinnix putting on the line, but I didn't want to speak yeah. to you guys too too much. Yeah, yeah. we'll actually have a pretty good package. We're gonna have a, a brand new DSX blind from you guys. We'll have a posturing buck uh, from us, and then we'll probably have a bow in the package as well, and maybe a couple other little things. But um, should be a pretty good thing. We're gonna launch it in uh, early August. And so just basically look at our social media. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be announcing it too around that time, but mm-hmm. we'll kind of uh, work on that. Very good. That's a good package. That is a very good package. Now, um, am I exempt from that contest? <laughs> yeah. Uh, same question over here. <laughs> fall, fall I'm going to enter it. So uh, you guys will just have to vet me out, make sure I don't win. <laughs> we'll let Scott sort all that out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, that'll be that'll be great. That'll be a fun package for somebody for sure. Yeah, man, talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, no, we appreciate working with you guys in the in that capacity too. I I think giveaways are fun and uh you know, especially when they're meaningful, you know, and there's enough zeros in the in the prize value and and you guys certainly are helping us put that together, so we're excited about it. And us too. I think it's um we think it's a great combination. Well, thank thank you guys so much. Uh, thanks for your time and thanks for the great information and everything. This is this has been great and it's good to catch up with you guys. Oh, thank you guys for hosting us and for partnering with us and for designing a kick-ass camo pattern. Well, that's all Dave. All Dave on the That's on the all of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate all of you guys on that. That was good stuff. Yeah, it was Dave and Scott, but plus you guys had a lot of great input and Jake, uh, Jake Schlong and too. Like, um, so it wasn't all Dave, that's for sure. But OJ, 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 that's right, OJ. <laughs>